Yo lovers, welcome to the episode 5 of Vocal About It. Today we are going to talk about mental health, dark days, how we want to normalize the fact that it's okay to go and see someone when you're feeling down, and how a lot of different stereotypes make us be seen as women of color as stronger than the average. Okay, babe, I want to start by asking you, how are you? That is a good and interesting question. I think I'm a... Uh... Alive and kicking, I'd hey. say. <laughs> no, actually, I've had a, I've had a good day. I've seen the sun. I've what? Been... Where were you? Where are you? Right. <laughs> I was walking around, feeling a little antsy, then losing my antsiness by What running. does antsy mean? When you're a little edgy, when you feel like you have too much nervous energy, mm. and then you walk it out, walk, walk, walk right, it out. Right, right, right. Um, yeah, and then I felt actually really. Good. So nice. Mm-hmm. How about you? How are you? Um, I feel a bit restless. Is that the word I want to use? I'm missing a lot of vocabulary, actually, I'm realizing for this episode. Uh, I'm feeling a bit tired. I've had a very long day at work. Mm. And I mean, that phase where I just started a new job recently. So, you know, I kind of want to like prove myself and shit. So, yeah. And I just have way too many things organized in this life. And I just want to fucking chill and do nothing. So a bit tired, a bit tired. And I feel, yeah, feeling a bit overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. But uh, overall, very much okay and thankful for this life. So, yes. (laughs) I just wanted to make sure we ask this to each other. Because it's not something that a lot of people ask you genuinely, you know. And usually, how are you means... I don't actually give a fuck about what's Mm -hmm. up in your life. Mm -hmm. I'm just being polite here. Where it should actually mean what's up in your head and in your heart today. Do you want to talk about it? Even if you don't have time now, let's make sure that we book coffee in two hours so that we can sit down and listen to each other. So yeah, I just wanted to make that point. Totally, totally. Because very often, yeah, it's just out of a social convention that you ask how are you more in a way like, hi. But in reality, many people can't deal with heaviness or when things get deep, or when things are just not fine and glittery and shit. But in reality, if they would if they would talk about it, if they would be honest about how they are, they would probably realize that the other person is having a quite similar struggle than they do. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And uh, I think only realizing this already makes it easier. Definitely, mm-hmm. definitely. Yeah. There's a lot of different things we want to talk about today and uh, just wanted to mention that we will talk about mental health issue and depression. So if ever it's triggering for you, please make sure that you take your time to listen to this or listen to it later if that's too much. Um, so starting with my history with mental health and the representation that I had around it. And I'm going to talk about it in the context of the black community, which I hate to generalize. But yeah. Just from my experience and from the experience of other black sisters, that's how I would interpret it, yeah? But so I don't want to make it like a worldwide black thing. Uh, But it's true that in my community, so in my family and beyond, there is a very negative stigma around mental health issue and therapy. So basically, you need to be on top of your game all the time. You can be a little sad if someone dies or something, but that's pretty much about it. So if you express too much of your feelings, you're seen as weird. And uh, anybody who goes and see a therapist is basically either something for white people or for crazy people. So it's very tricky. (laughs) And or. (laughs) 
not mutually exclusive, but okay. <laughs> um, so it's been very tricky for me to grow up with that image and then having these absolutely normal times where I was feeling much down than the usual because then you don't really know what to do. You don't really know if you're feeling... I mean, if you're if it's odd what you're feeling, if it's normal, and you judge yourself so much, which is actually very unhealthy. Later in my life, I was lucky to meet a lot of different girlfriends and guy friends who are super in peace with their mental health and the fact that it goes up and down sometimes, and who also started to see therapists very early in their lives. So that really normalized the whole thing for me, which was great. And I've always been super interested about mental health anyway. I think it's so precious. A lot of people, unfortunately, don't don't take care of it too, too much or enough. So there's a lot of emphasis on physical health and how you should do more sports and eat more healthy. But I find not so, so much in terms of your mental health, which is actually really crucial to go on uh, with this life. Yeah, so the representation for me really changed. And at some point, I... I came to the conclusion that I would love to see someone. And that was maybe already two or three years ago. I was like, I feel great. I love this life. Everything's going pretty okay. But I would just love to be able to have this introspection and this external and professional point of view on my behaviors, you know, the things I like, the people I hang out with and all of this, because I find it highly interesting. Problem was, I did not visualize myself contacting a white old man and going around and just sitting down in his cabinet and tell him about my life. Also, I've read a lot of really negative and shitty stories from sisters of color mm -hmm. going through a white therapist. And they ask you to like put all of your life on the table, talk about racism, justify it for them, explain and go through. And then they don't really have anything to say. Yeah. So if you're not going to feedback on this in a proper way, you know, in, a, in, in an appropriate way and, and just really put yourself in my shoes and do the right thing, then fucking don't ask. Yeah, yeah that's just re-traumatizing and actually really irresponsible. Exactly. And I think it does much more trauma than anything else. And that's absolutely not the point of going and seeing a therapist. Yes. So actually, I think about a year ago when we met, we started to talk about, I think very early on, I told you like, yeah, I would like to see someone. And we talked about therapy and stuff. And I was like, okay, what do I put in Google if I want to look for... <laughs> A black woman therapist. Yes. Because I really wanted someone who looked like me. So I did. I just want to be honest about that. <laughs> I did put in Google black woman therapist. There's not a lot of results in Google Belgium, at least. Um, I found one in Paris. Dropped her note, but she never came back to me, actually. So anyways, it's very, very tricky. And I had the luck to meet this amazing therapist of color who's a Belgo-Iranian. And she was doing a, a, a whole thesis on uh, women of color therapists and feminism in therapy and stuff. So she came over to my place just to have tea and interview me about why, what would I need in a therapy, which was so interesting. And she was doing that to a lot of women of color and then just writing a paper on this. And because of everything I told her when we were done with the interview, she was like, girl, I think I have someone for you. There's this uh, black woman therapy. She's dope. She's Belgian uh, with origins from Congo. And she just went back to live in Kinshasa. But I think, you know, maybe you could uh, you could chat because she comes back here quite often. And yeah, thankfully, I mean, this happened because I, I don't think it's that easy when you don't have the, this kind of network. Uh, yeah, so this is the story. And I started my therapy about, I think, two, three months ago. And I just want to emphasize that I'm doing great. Like, I'm good. Yes, I'm really tired. <laughs> But I'm really doing great. I feel very mentally healthy. Great. But I think you should not wait to feel like shit to go and see a therapist, actually. And there's a lot of things that I want to heal. There's a lot of things that I want to talk about, retrospect on, 
which is why I'm doing this. And it's so far been going amazingly well. And also because it's a black woman, when I talk to her about sexism or racism, she's like, yeah, it's, it's not even a topic. So like we start at 30% of the conversation because she understands. And she also drops this phase of like, Yes, because we African women, like we black women, I'm like, yes, preach. <laughs> it's the best. Nice. It's really the best. She really understands and it makes a whole lot of difference. My history with mental health goes way back to because my mom is a therapist. So I'm really grateful for having a very normalized, destigmatized approach ever since. So it was always my sister and I were growing up with having a very normal picture of people who are getting ill, getting better again, maybe getting ill again. And yeah, that's just life. And it was really for me, it wasn't something that was frowned upon or that was yeah something you should be shameful about. Yeah. <clears throat> But unfortunately, a lot of my peers um, have a very, very different approach, even if they are very young, even if they are usually quite progressive. Still, when it comes to mental health, there is always this idea that it has to be really bad. You have to be in an extremely bad place to go and th see a therapist because you don't go for a minor issue. That is the idea. Yeah. Um, so people drag themselves through that they suffer a lot, are not well, clearly are not well, but still they keep emphasizing that it's not that bad as if it would have to be that bad to be legit to go and see somebody. So it's like they have their sprained ankle and dragging themselves through and you see, Hey, you're not fine. Maybe you should see a doctor. And they're like, no, that's fine. As long as it's not broken. I'm not going to see anyone. And um, only when they hit rock bottom do they see that they have to. But then, then it's also so much more work. So everything you can do before you crash and burn is just also very good for yourself and realizing that it doesn't have to be that bad. Exactly. That it's okay to feel that way and you can also feel better. You don't have to pull it through and just think that it may go away and dissolve magically by itself. Because it will not. It will not. It will not. You will have to, yeah, put some attention to it. And if, if you do, then you can get better. But I think what's really important for people to know, what was also for a long time for me important to know, is that whatever you're feeling, it's okay. Yes. If you feel anxiety, if you feel like you're in a depressive episode, if you feel exhausted or burned out or just really sad, that's all okay. And so many people have that around you. And just when everybody keeps their mouth shut about it, will you think that it's an uncommon thing and that you are a misfit? Mm -hmm. In reality, you're not. Exactly. Because most of the people around you probably, they have been in this in this situation that you are in right now or they are in the same or they will be and that's that's okay yeah absolutely yeah. i think it's super important to normalize the different phases that you can go through the different feelings that you can feel but it's again a stigma of society that is not okay to show when you're weak or to show when you're feeling low or to show when you're feeling extremely sad 
or even angry, like we talked about that episode on, on women of color and anger, is just not okay. And that's bullshit. And I think this will take a massive amount of work and really an early age education to um, let kids and people and adults know that it's okay. Yeah, totally. And I think it's also um, really odd that it's seen as something stronger to not let people in, to be distant, to be cold and as, act as if everything was okay. When in reality, it's way harder to show vulnerability and show people, look, I'm not okay. I'm really having a hard time right now. I feel like shit all week. Mm -hmm. That's that's hard work. That takes courage. You need to be brave to say that to somebody and let other people in. And this is actually key. It's not something you should be ashamed of. It takes way more work than playing it cool when in reality you feel rotten inside. Exactly. So, yeah, I feel that there are so many toxic images out there that um, make it very hard for us to reach out. One of these images is um, the strong woman of color. So, for me, clearly being strong, being courageous, being badass and kickers and everything else... <laughs> All of them. <laughs> All of the assets is clearly, <laughs> is clearly um, part of my self-image. I like to see myself that way. But also I know that other people put this narrative on me. So from several sides, I am being constructed as the strong one. But this comes from somewhere. You don't know why I have to be strong. Exactly. And still people assume because I'm strong, They can put all their shit on me because I can handle it anyways. They rely on you, on your emotional strength. Yeah, and um, nobody asks themselves that maybe I need my strength for myself. Or maybe it's armor, or maybe it's a form of self-defense. Or I don't know, wherever it comes from, it should be okay that I integrate it into my personality and still people don't assume that I'm strong all the time because nobody is strong all the time. And realizing this and not just having the easy way out where you just blurt all your shit on somebody else and then go away and be like, whew, that was a relief. While the other person has to carry all your shit, that is, that is not cool. And I think sh people should be a little more considerate about this, about this image. Absolutely. It's it's such an important topic to touch on because I think there's so many stereotypes and it, it's crazy how how much this is uh, ancré. Engraved? Engraved into our minds. Thank you very much. Because I was actually having this discussion with a black girlfriend of mine that you met. And, and she was telling me, but I think the stereotype is true. It's true. Do you know any white woman who would go through everything we went through? And like, you know, and I'm like, yeah, but ugh, no, you know, it's a stereotype that's really hurting us. It's really hurting us. And it's not true. We are not a, this homogeneous group of super strong humans. It makes no sense, you know. And it reminds me of an anecdote that I had a few weeks back where... So I'm part of this uh, super nice book club on African and Caribbean literature. So I go there um, once every two weeks and there's a few white women working in that library and just kind of like coordinating the group for us. And one of them is lovely. She's really sweet and, and she's from the Southwest as well. So we, you know, we chat, we, we hang out and stuff. And uh, I got there last time and we always start a little, you know, small talk and chat about what's up and, and the different books they just received or whatever and uh, we were talking about a great uh, author that's na whose name is Fatou Diom mm -hmm. who's amazing she's from uh, Senegal and she went through a lot and she's really really super and extremely strong she went through a lot in her life she was a fucking cleaning lady now she writes books she gives conferences at Bazaar and like she's the best 
Amazing. And we were just discussing this. And this woman at the library, white woman, tells me, but it's amazing how, how strong black women are. Mm. And it really felt odd to me. So I told her like, yeah, but I think, you know, every woman, just like women in general, to make it a bit, you know. She's like, no, 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 no. It's really there's something with black women. Really, they're just stronger than the average. And like, it's something. So it's insane how for her it was super normal. And she was determined into that stereotype that she doesn't even see as a stereotype, clearly. But then I thought, like, what does that what does that make to us? You know, and it's exactly what you said, that then people feel like it's okay to come up with a thousand and hundred problem and tell us about it and let us deal with it for them. Mm-hmm. It's okay for them to just call us at any time and just, you know, throw all of their emotional baggage onto us and never ask once, how are you? Yeah. Yeah. How are you doing? What's up with you? You know, do you want to talk? And assuming that you are not um, only capable of doing that, but that you are also welcoming this because this is your role, because this is what you're supposed to do, taking care of others, doing Mm -hmm. emotional labor. I think this is where it gets harmful because clearly women of color are very resilient because they have to go through a lot of bullshit. But that doesn't mean that you can exploit this. And that's the point. So when people say that you are so good at listening, at emotional labor, at coming up with solutions and um, ways out of bullshit, that just means you go there and you do the work and other people don't. You just put yourself into the shoes of somebody else. You're just trying to really get into the situation where they're in. But that's not a superpower. This is not because we are superheroes or anything. This is we're just showing up and we do the work. And people who don't clearly are not good at it. But that's not a mystery or that we are, I don't know, magically better equipped. Yeah, exactly. We're just doing the freaking work. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure that there are people who, when they went through a lot of crisis, they, they also know what it takes and um, what other people need. But still, you can't rely on those people because maybe that's triggering for them. Maybe that's re-traumatizing for them. And uh, I think the really important question is to ask, to ask permission to, are you going to give me... I mean, really, this is emotional labor. This is what actually psychologists, trained people should do. In this regard, I think that it's also a relief for your environment when you go and see a therapist, because very often it's other people who are not trained and for whom it may be, yeah, just too much, just too much. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, of course, under the condition that you have enough cash, that you can afford it, then you should definitely go and see a therapist because that's also really good for the people around you because the ones who tend to do that are very often women because they are supposed to deliver this emotional labor. And uh, yeah, I think for everyone who can afford it, um, they should really go and see someone. Absolutely. That would help a lot. Mm. And I think, I mean, when people potentially think that the majority of us women of color are so naturally strong that this is within us, it's not. It's just that we don't have a choice. Mm -hmm. We, We have to be resourceful. We have to be strong. We have to show up. That's just what life throws at us that makes us be the way we are. It's not just we were, came out of our mother's vagina and we right away were ready to conquer this motherfucking world. Yeah. <laughs> this is really not how it happened, you know? Also, yes, we don't have an opt-out option. There is no opt-out for us. Yeah. 
And very often people don't give us this opt-out either because they just push us into this situation and then we have to deal with it because clearly you can say, please deal, deal with, with your own shit when people are having a nervous breakdown in front of you. Yeah. Nobody would do that. Exactly. But also it's about asking, can you give me this now? And if not, then people should also respect that. Absolutely, yes. And this brings me to the question of boundaries, mm -hmm. which is so crucial which is something that's also interesting because it doesn't conclude with the image that many people have of me, but I'm really bad at saying no. Um, <laughs> because, yeah, I don't know. I just, um, I was, yeah, I was never taught to say yeah. no. It, I was never taught to respect my own boundaries. We talked about this yesterday, yes. about this amazing thread on Twitter about the young woman who told us the story of how her mom encouraged her to respect her boundaries ever since. That the second she feels uncomfortable with something, she should reach out, tell her mom, she will end the situation, period. That's it. And um, everybody else would try to push her boundaries and be like, ah, yeah, no, your mom, now it's so late. You don't want to put her under pressure. Just pull it through, just power through, and it will be okay. And I think this is, this is the whole idea that we are presented with all the time. Just pull through. Just don't, don't bother anyone. And uh, this is why it's really hard for me to just say, hey, sorry, but this is my limit. Here is my boundary, and uh, you're overstepping it, or you are pushing too hard and yeah I think it's really crucial to learn this even now even so many years later when you didn't learn it as a child that's really of course that's way harder but I think it's one of the most important skills to have as an adult to know where your limits are and then act accordingly but it's a shitload of work I kid you not yeah definitely and I think I mean just imagining if All of our parents would have told us when we were four years old, yes, you can go to that sleepover with all our little girlfriends, with all your little friends, but the minute there is something weird, the minute you feel uncomfortable, the minute you feel just that there's something oh, that feels not right, you call mommy, you call daddy, we're going to come pick you up and that's okay. Can you imagine like the, the tools that this would have given all of us? But no, we force you to kiss that nasty uncle. We force you to smile. We force you to say hi, you know, because it's just in terms of social context, it makes all the sense in the world. Um, I think I saw this article not too long ago about that school in the Nordics that's really teaching kids on how to express their emotions, how to say no when they feel uncomfortable. And this is ultra precious. This should be implemented in all the schools in this world because then you really raise future adults who are going to be in peace with saying, hey, I don't feel comfortable now, whether they're in a date, whether they're at work, whether they're in the streets, you know, and it's okay. And it will be seen as okay also. So it's yes. one thing that is okay for you, but it needs to be okay for the broader society because yes. if not, you will always feel like the weird one. Yes, totally. Because I feel like when you, when you just show your boundaries and say, look, this is how far you can go, but not further. It encourages often people to say, oh, wait a second, this is crossing my limit too. Mm -hmm. So I'd rather not. Yeah. But I feel like, so in my experience, people with very bad boundaries themselves cannot respect the boundaries of others. Right. Yeah. If you are just like, if you're self and what you're willing to give is just all over the place and you never say hey stop I don't feel right for a long time anymore then you see it as as something painful when somebody tells you hey you can't go further than that yeah but that's something really healthy and that's really good and you should do it anyways and 
I recently read an article that was really good that teaches you how to implement your boundaries by a very visual technique where you should imagine what kind of boundary you would like to have with another person. Mm -hmm. Is it enough if there's just a cross in the sand between you and the person and you just see, okay, this is your part of the island, this is mine? Or is it supposed to be a fence where you can still see through, but the other person is clearly somewhere else and cannot cross? Or is it supposed to be a brick wall somewhere where you can't even see the other person anymore and they can't come over? And once you have found this image, you should act accordingly. You should act as if there was a brick wall and as if you wouldn't have to come any closer. And you can just stay within your space and be like, all right, on the other side of the wall, I don't even care. Yeah, And I stay in my place. Or... I'm cool with this friend of mine and I'm so cool and I don't have any problem whatsoever with sharing a lot. I just need to know, mm, here is the cross in the sand. And that helped me a lot. That's actually really cool. great. Mm -hmm. That's really, really super, so powerful. Mm -hmm. And you can put that in place in a quite of a simple way, but the impact that it must have, it's yes. really, really good. Yeah, yes. that's super important. I think it takes daily practice, but it gives you a lot of personal freedom. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, talking about boundaries, that makes me think of, of uh, two different instances, because I like to share my little personal stories like that. <laughs> Bring it. I want to talk about social cleaning. Yeah. Um, it's a concept that I, that I cherish very much. So I, I met a friend uh, last year, someone who became a friend, who was a friend of a friend. Anyway, long story short. And he's quite of a, yeah, sort of a neighbor in Brussels, doesn't live too far. So we used to hang out, grab dinner and drinks and stuff. Really, really cool. And it took me a while, but I realized that every time he would hang out, he would not ask me a single time, how are you? Not a single time. So we would talk about him and his family and his lover and his work. And he would bitch a lot about work because that's like the tricky part of his life at the moment. And I'm a great listener, I just want to say, which I guess is a gift and also <laughs> a poisonous gift sometimes because mm -hmm. people take advantage of that shit. But uh, so he would bitch about work and, and tell me about so many things that's going on. Uh, at some point, I even had a few months back earlier this year, I had an operation with my kidney because of whatever. And we saw each other after that. And he was like talking about him, 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 him. And at some point he's like, oh my God, wait, you just had this operation for your kidney, right? I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, mm -hmm. so how did it go? I start telling him, yeah, so it's actually this part of the kidney that it needs to be removed, la, la, la. And then he's like, oh my God, my uncle had the same thing three years ago. And then that, that was it. That was done. What? I didn't even... <laughs> <laughs> I did not even finish my story because he made it about himself and that was it. Holy so shit. So my, my time of expressing whatever is going on in my life was extremely limited. I didn't even fight that shit because I don't usually. My point is telling that story is that I'm now over with that person. I have zero issue sitting people down and telling them, listen, I don't think we vibe out. I think you're using me to just throw your emotional garbage and that's not okay. I have amazing people in my life. I don't need extra friends actually. I take them either super <laughs> clearly <laughs> this is only being a one-way thing and I'm not enjoying this so you know what you go take care of yourself I take care of myself and that's it fortunately I haven't had the time to uh, do that with him because I think he's avoiding me but that's another story <laughs> yeah and I think you know at some point specifically in our adult life where sometimes we keep friends because they're childhood friends because they're friends from a long time whatever but you know what sit yourself down and think for a second okay what is that person bringing me in this life 
It's okay if it's not at the same level. You don't have to do things in expecting something in return. Yes. But think of yourself. What 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 energy does that take you to meet with that person? Yes. Is it just draining? Exactly. Then it's okay to walk away. Absolutely. It's completely fine to break up with friends. To break up with people who are not bringing you energy and joy in your life. It can't just all be negative. It can't just be a one-way thing where they talk about themselves all the time and you're just listening and taking in and being that strong person who's going to feed back on whatever they're going through, who's going to give them solutions, who's going to listen to them, who's going to call them to make sure they're okay and not getting anything in return. That's not okay and that's not a proper friendship. So to take care of your mental health, you also need to make sure that you do some social cleaning at any point of your life and make sure you surround yourself with people who care for you because you care for other people. And being a very good friend to yourself. Absolutely. This is key too because I feel like very often we are in our good friendships, we are the best friends. We are so kind and considerate and there and passionate and everything. But when it comes to ourselves, I think we're often um, negligent. And yeah, I think it would be key to be just the person that you are with your friends to yourself. Absolutely. Yes. And uh, yeah, being kind and compassionate with yourself and uh, realizing in which tone you speak to yourself. Is it... uh, Faster, bitch! Faster! <laughs> Lazy piece of shit? Or <laughs> no, seriously. Or is it actually is it actually sweet and kind and like, what we're gonna do today? What do you feel like and shit? You little queen! Yes, yes, treating yourself. Being sweet, being kind, that changes a lot. It sounds really, I know what it sounds like in the beginning and I would be a little resistant to it too. But um, it's a complete game changer to be sweet to yourself and being being the best friend you can have. Aww. Yeah, absolutely true. And I just want to say that also applies to love. Yes. Make sure who you bring into your life, into your bed, into your heart. Because again, a little experience of mine, I had this lover who was struggling with depression, which to me is totally fine. And, you know, we can deal with that together and, and that's fine. But this, with the combination of a very self-centered personality, made that he had zero emotional space for me. Mm-hmm. And I put myself together, I'm fine. But the minute I needed a tiny bit of support, he was like, no, I'm sorry, I cannot. I cannot. And this is not okay, ladies, okay? So if you have a lover in your life, make sure, same as the friend that you are with someone who treats you the way you treat them, in the sense that like you deserve the best. You deserve someone who loves you, who listens to you, who make all it that that's in their power to understand you that doesn't judge you that leave you the space whenever you need but that's also there when you need them because that's exactly i know y'all listening (laughs) i know that's what you would do for anyone so make sure you also wait that shit because it's not okay to be with someone who doesn't give a fuck about your feelings and who doesn't make the time to really treat you properly yes 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 Just one quick mention for all of our sisters of color out there. If ever you're not lucky like Sarah and myself to have great other sisters of color or sister period that you can go to, talk to, be super real with, be honest with and share any of your issues or your happy moments as well. Uh, there's this hashtag online that's called You okay, Sis. And you cases is specifically dedicated to women of color and checking out on each other. Because we know that we go through a lot of shit. We know that mental health is a bit of a taboo in our communities. So you can use that hashtag and just ask for help online. And a lot of different sisters will come up and uh, and make sure we take care of you Aww. and we lift you up. 
So sweet. All right. All right, all right. Let's celebrate some queens, shall we? We shall, we shall. All right, so I would like to start with a Vienna-based uh, psychologist called Perissima Tahari Maynard, um, who started a space for people of color where the experiences of minorities are included in the psychological discourse, um, where they can be free of stereotypes and prejudices. It's called Wir sind auch Wien. We too are Vienna. She is a woman of color herself and recognized the urgent need for psychological service that is specifically tailored for people of color. And so she just went there and created it herself, <laughs> as we do. As we do. Mm -hmm. And um, yes, I came across this initiative when reading a Vice article about a woman of color and how she is struggling with depression. Um, she is writing under the pseudonym of Aimoen Kinshasa. And read her articles, they are really great and enlightening. And uh, the second woman of color that I would like to celebrate is called Noah So, who is an Afro-German author, activist, musician, producer, and artist, and everything. She's an all-round talent and does great stuff. She wrote this amazing book called Deutschland Schwarz-Weiß, so Germany Black and White, that is especially addressing white people and leading them through the painful process of checking your privilege, but also leading you through the whole colonial history of Germany, where racism comes from, and it's just such a relief to, le to read, and uh, it's really just great. Right now, she's giving workshops for burnt-out activists. Oh, wow! Yes, so it's important. great. It's prevent and relieve activist burnout, self-care and activism, yoga classes for especially people of color, empowerment, relaxation and community-based healing and it's amazing follow everything she does i'm really an admirer and on her page i came across such a powerful quote that i would like to share with you by tony morrison one of the most important voices when it comes to afro-american literature and also a nobel prize laureate tony morrison says which is really important when it comes to the intersection of racism and mental health. Know the function, the very serious function of racism, which is distraction. It keeps you from doing your work. It keeps you explaining over and over again your reason for being. Somebody says you have no language and so you spend 20 years proving that you do. Somebody says your head isn't shaped properly, so you have scientists working on the fact that it is. Somebody says that you have no art, so you dredge that up. Somebody says that you have no kingdoms, and so you dredge that up. None of that is necessary. There will always be one more thing. Whew, and this was so freaking powerful. That was so good. And so, yeah, Toni Morrison said that already in 1975. Oh, my God. We need to cherish this wisdom because they know. Absolutely. And yeah, that was so great. I, I had to share this with you. Fabulous. All right. Thanks, darling. That was great. Now yours. Yes. So I would actually love to celebrate Yasmin Benoit, who's a very young little sister, black sister. She's only 22. She's, she lives in the UK. Oh. And she's a asexual, aromantic and asexuality activist, which I think is extremely dope. We had the first episode of Vocal About It about sex, flirting and relationship 
where we did not mention anything about asexuals. I didn't know any asexuals before meeting one of my really, really dear girlfriend, Margot, if you listen, love you, babe, who's really open about her asexuality. Mm -hmm. And Yasmin Benoit talks about how the LGBTQIA plus community is whitewashed and doesn't even really involve A for asexual, you know. Mm -hmm. They might on paper, but really, she says that being in the community, she feels quite invisible. And uh, again, even in that in that sphere of life, representation matters. So she really wants to speak up. She's a model. She does a lot of really cool things. And she talks very openly about her asexuality. So in, I invite you all to go check out the videos by her. She has a really cool Instagram page. Yeah, I just wanted to celebrate all of our asexual sisters of color out there. Because that's also a cliche that like, wait, what? <laughs> Can be a woman of color and not like love sex? Uh, what the fuck? <laughs> what? Um, <laughs> so sending tons of love to to Yasmin Benoit. The second woman of color I would love to celebrate is Azra Tabassum. She's also in her early 20s. Oh, all these young sisters being so talented and like so cool. <laughs> uh, she lives in the south coast of England and she writes amazing poetry. So she's actually uh, Bangladeshi and British. And uh, I just stumbled upon because I really wanted to find some healing poetry or like some celebratory poetry by women of color in Europe for my sisters. So I found this one, which is called The Moon and More. And I would love to read that to y'all. The problem is that the words inside you are expanding and not by inches. There are universes living in your stomach, growing in a way that not even God can explain. And maybe this is the problem. You are too busy looking for ways to explain yourself away. I don't know how to tell you that it's not emptiness breathing inside of you. It's fucking magic. It's breathing. It's chosen you because growing things look for warm places. And you are the warmest place of all. Girls like you don't know how to shrink. Girls like you don't have it in them. Girls like you don't wait for love. You don't hold for love. You are not your shaking knees or your hungry fingers. Girls like you don't disappear. And if you tried, the walls would find you on their own. Heart like a warrior, heart like a float, they'd create a new moon to your lot. They'd name that moon after you, they'd call it Miracle. With this poetry, my lovers, I just want to send a lot of love to any of our sisters who are going through a tough time. This is normal. Let yourself go and take care of yourself. Yes, and clearly you don't know how to shrink, huh? Yes. Thanks for listening to this episode of Vocal About It. If you enjoyed the conversation, show this sister some love. We'd love to see some five-star rating on Apple Podcast. Share the podcast with your loved ones as well and to all of the others. Make sure to follow us on Twitter for updates with the handle at vocalabout underscore it. And if you have any questions, love declarations, or that you want to partner for some cool shit, do drop us an email on vocalaboutit at gmail.com. Ciao, lovers. Ciao, lovers.